Okay, welcome to episode 23 of Ask Alex on the OneOuter.com podcast with me, Barry Chalmers, and Alex Assassinato Fitzgerald. Uh, we're getting to the end of the year and the questions are still coming in, so that is good. It means we've got listeners that are fresh with ideas, uh, or it means we're telling you nothing and you're, <laughs> you're still struggling with your game, but we know we know it's the, the first option. Uh how are you, Alex? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on, as always. Cool, cool. So, uh, any any news for the listeners? Any updates? Anything like that that you want to get off your chest first before we deal with the questions? That's a good question. Uh, not really. Uh, there's not really anything really necessary to discuss. But uh, I did. Uh, Pocket Five's training did uh, close down and moved to Card Runners. Uh, Card Runners always had an affiliation. Now they just uh, they decided it didn't make sense to have two separate brands. And uh, before I signed on with them, I said, hey, you know, a lot of my guys pay a lot of money for like private coaching and for videos and stuff like that. And if they're gonna, you know, I don't want uh, I if I want to start doing most of my private videos for Card Runners, but I don't want the subscription model to because most of my guys play play like, you know, $10 MTTs or like 50 and L, you know what I mean? Or like most of the guys, uh, a lot of the fans, I mean, that's just where you start from, you know? So, and, uh, they made a deal. I really couldn't believe they made, but it was like normally to sign up for card runners. Uh, there's an initiation fee and it was $160, which I never really liked because that's like a full lesson with like a real top tier pro. I mean, I never, Obviously, it makes sense because there's like 2,000 videos and like Timex and all that, but I didn't like for my low stakes guys because they couldn't really afford it. So, you know, I would, uh, uh, I would recommend it, but now we, they have a deal where like if you're one of my listeners, you're one of my followers, uh, instead of it being $160 for the first two months, it's $30. So that's like 82% off or something like that. And it's $15 a month. You can watch me playing. Uh, I mean, there's me, like, analyzing the Scoop 500R. They're probably going to put some of my back catalog on with, uh, you know, small six tournaments. There's, like, Ape Styles, who might be, like, the best tournament player I've ever talked to. He does videos there. Uh, he's got a lot of videos coming out, new content. And there's, like, videos with, like, Timex and uh, uh, Mement Mori, like, analyzing MTTs and of course all the high stakes guys. It's fifteen bucks a month. If you want to get that, the code is uh, free month, all capital letters. Uh, you like you put that in on the sign up code or whatever. If you have a Card Runners account that's dormant, like you had a Card Runners subscription and then you let it go and you don't want to pay that hefty sign up fee again, this is uh, this works for you as well. All you have to do is write support at cardrunners.com and uh, put in the title free month all capital letters. Let me make sure that's the code, but no, I'm pretty sure it is, but, uh, uh, whatever. We'll put it on the website. Yeah. It's free month, all capital letters, but yeah. And then, uh, yeah, you sign up and that's like one of the cheapest options we have right now. And I'm pretty excited about that because it's, uh, you know, for, uh, uh, card runners to do something like that when they really have a stranglehold on the market, it's pretty cool of them. Yeah, I mean, uh, going from a personal point of view, when I first started playing, I looked at training sites, and that would always put me off because, although you're, you know, they're a great site content and stuff. Like you say, if you're playing ten dollar MTTs and you've only got a few hundred dollars bankroll, 
someone asking you for 160. I mean, it's just yeah. not, you know, it's maybe the sensible thing to do and then go and get another couple hundred dollars and learn and do it that way. But you know what people are like? They want to play with their money. They're, they're not good. Like Poker X Factor, when they used to sponsor the show and we were uh, associated with them, they changed their model completely. I believe they got rid of, you know, uh, that because a lot of people it was putting a lot of people off. Mm. But uh, that that's a great deal for card runners because, as you say, I think they are the they they're widely considered to be the sort of premier training site for videos and strategy and stuff like that. And I think, like you say, volume of stuff that's on that, and they have been going. I mean, even when I first started playing, I remember card runners. You know, it was uh, Brian Townsend was on it at the time and stuff. You know. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, they still got a lot of like the big names and everything, and it's uh, yeah. I mean, I just I'm really blessed that I was broke and I was a low stakes player, so I can remember. And yeah, you remember like uh, 160 dollars. Like that's a lot of money. You know, what I mean, that's yeah. like. You know, if you bomb out your session, you lose 120 back in the day, and like you're like ready to kill yourself. 160 is a lot. So I thought, you know, I, I was pretty amazed they wanted to work with me on that. That normally you have to like fight tooth and nail to get anybody to provide anything for cheap. Everybody's really into like charge the most and mm-hmm. uh, see, you know, people will pay for it. I'm like, yeah, well, people will pay for it, but not as many as if you make it affordable. I, a lot of people told me I should have made you flat too much, like $300. And it's like, well, yeah, it's worth $300, but, uh, you know, I'd rather have several hundred sales for 60 than, you know, a handful of sales at 300, you know? And, uh, yeah, yeah and uh, it, it ends up being more money and a lot more people get a, uh, uh, I mean, I don't know if this is good for me, but a lot more people get a hold of it. A lot. Well, it's good for me as far as like endorsement fees and stuff for what goes on in the future, but maybe... As far as my strategies being known, it's not as good. But, yeah, I mean, it works out better for everybody, I think, giving the consumer what they want. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's finding that sweet spot in the price uh, mm-hmm. just that gets enough people in and also doesn't – sometimes the joke with stuff like that is some people think, why is it so cheap? Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> and then they get suspicious. Yeah, and you got to yeah. make it – yeah, I try to, like, make it, like, go – you know, like, if you're really into it, I, I had a theory, like, if you provide more for free, because I notice a lot of people doing well in other industries, you know, they provided a lot for free. So I did all the blogs for free. I did all the – I do, like, four strategy articles a month now, you know, and those yeah. are all for free. And then, you know, if you want to get into the training videos where, you know, it's, like, $15 a month, that's a slight upgrade or something like that. And hopefully we're going to have uh, books. I'm going to self-publish. Those are, like, $10. And then – you know, if you want to do the live sweats, you're more hardcore, that's like 50. And then if you like really want to talk to me for an hour and like get like every idea I could give you, like access to all my research continually, you know, just constantly be in that pool of like top tier players, you know, it, then it's $200 an hour. But it's like, yeah. you know, you got to, you know, you give a lot of options and then more people are into the, you know, they see what you're doing for them for a small price, you know, and then. Obviously, we ratcheted it up pretty hardcore once you get to the uh, to the private lessons. And I didn't mean for this to be a big endorsement. I just wanted to give card runners some love. But yeah, assassinautocoaching <laughs> at gmail.com. Write me. You want to get? Uh, I'll tell you information about anything you heard here. Yeah, and I'll also put details, as Alex said, in the on oneouter.com um, in the podcast post about the offer for card runners and. So people can see the coupon code. And exactly. Stuff like yeah, that. double check that just in case, you know, my 
yeah. dr- my drug-addled mind uh, got <laughs> got the sign-up code wrong, although I'm 95% sure. Not drug-addled anymore, but in the old days. Anyhow, continuing. Yeah, yeah. Well, once a junkie, I'll once a junkie. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Um, okay, on that note, we're going to jump straight into the questions, and then we can hit you with some more uh, spam and uh, ways to get things for free and stuff at the end. Uh, we can do that. So, um, the first question is from Adrian Iorden. Um I'm hoping I'm not butchering his name. Um, Hi, Alex. I'm a 50 NL cash game player, and I think it would be a good idea to play some tournaments from time to time. But what type of tournament should I play? Since I will be playing MTTs seldomly, I think I should play high variance, uh, big field MTTs on stars. Um, or maybe I should focus on playing a lot of satellites for big buy-in tournaments. Uh, bearing in mind that I don't have much time for MTTs, what do you think I should watch, read, and really improve my game? Well, if uh, well, there's a lot of questions there. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, 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 I would... Uh, I mean, if you just have, like, one day where you're just going to play MTTs for fun, I for sure, you know, if you want to, you know, take a big shot with the Sunday Storm or something like that, and, and that to me is a big shot because obviously with a field like that, you're going to get deep very seldom. And uh, I, I, I would recommend, uh, I mean, if you're just going to play tournaments for fun, you know, one day of the week, I'd recommend you pick some tournaments that are within your buy-in level, maybe just a little beyond. So, like, you play 50 NL, I would never... Like, if you're comfortable with losing a buy-in, you know, once a week, there's no reason you shouldn't play the bigger 55 if you're just going to play, like, one or... If you're just going to play one or two tournaments, you could play the bigger 55 in, like, the 22 cubed, which gives you a lot of action for your money and is a little more similar uh, to MTTs, I mean, uh, to cash games. If you're going to play, like, a full MTT schedule, I would say, you know, uh, MTT buy-ins can build up really quickly. I wouldn't go much higher than, like, $10, $20 buy-ins because it's not like cash games where, obviously, if a play goes wrong, the maximum you can lose is part of a buy-in. And, you know, you're, all, you're usually trading percentages of that buy-in. Your, your full buy-in is on the line. So $10 to $20 is what I'd recommend. Uh, if you're looking to learn about MTTs, I would recommend having full MTT sessions. I would recommend doing it on hours and days that other people don't play. Uh, again, I, I think I've said this on the show a lot of times. A lot of people thought I was really good uh, when I became, like, just out of, like, the Seattle, like, underground poker scene. I became one of the first, like, professional players. But I really wasn't good. I just played poker tournaments from like 7 p.m. till 5 in the morning and I played on networks with like 100 people in each tournament and I played low stakes minds and then nobody really cares about those tournaments so they play really bad so if you're uh, really focused you can make some decent money now you have to really love the process if you go in thinking I'm going to make money you're probably not going to do it because you're going to be focusing on the wrong things but if you go in like I'm trying to learn about MTTs these are the softest fields you know, look at sites where sportsbooks offer uh, sportsbooks offer software. Uh, I'd recommend playing less tables at the beginning, uh, it, because if you're playing less tables, like the software malfunctions aren't really that big of a deal. Whereas, if you look at a lot of guys who play like 16 tables, like their iPoker tables are the ones they're playing like five four on. 
hold a manager's statistics because they just like they never have time to play when they get to that because the software is just a little more uh, uh, tedious as far so they end up spending more time on the poker stars tables just because the software allows them to you can take advantage of these guys who are just giving away their blinds when normally they would be defending and yeah you know play on these uh, goofy sites uh, a lot of my friends are making a ton of money on the American sites I don't know which one I'd uh, you know, I, I I don't know much about the. I know America's card room is linked up to pretty serious heavy hitters, uh, so that would be the one I would worry about the least. And like sites like that in Bovada, you can trust a little more. Uh, if it's a little more fly by night, you know, you probably want to get more information. But I mean, this is how I've made a lot of my money it, while learning about new games. And yeah, you know, watch an MTT video before you get in. Play buy-ins that, like, if you get deep in, uh, you know, the prize will be worth something to you, but not, you know, that sweet spot where if, if you lose it, it's not that big of a deal. But if you were to get deep in it, it would be worth a lot. And, yeah, you know, good luck to you. Yeah. I would even say in just a tournament that jumps straight out would be, like, the 10 rebuy on Stars, maybe. That's a you great know, one, yeah. They still do that. I mean, you could be in that far you know, $50, $60 for a good, you know, shot and a few rebuys, the add-on, etc. And um, that usually pays, well, it did when I used to, it was like, maybe like 12k for first or something. And it's not, it's a big field, but it's not a huge field. I think there's maybe... That's a great point, know. yeah. It's yeah, like 2,000 runners or yeah, something. Not, like not, not, yeah, not like 35,000 or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Th yeah, those are great tournaments. The $3 rebuy, the $5 rebuy, these are what we cut our teeth on. And then, yeah, I mean... Yeah the little freeze-outs, the $10 freeze-outs and stuff like that. I, I like playing. I mean, I told people after the poker, like I was kind of, I, I've never really been a heavy hitter on stars. I don't know why. If you if you go to like my full tilt stats, it's like 4K tournaments played, 350K in profit. And then like uh, if you go to poker stars, it's like 15,000 tournaments played and 200 in profit and constantly fluctuating. And last couple of years have been like break even not really that great. And I mean, you know, obviously I've made money at poker somewhere else, but like I was looking for an excuse to play somewhere else. And it's like, uh, you know, with these, uh, rake increases, like I'm actually looking really forward to going back to like, cause every time like stars is just being variance intensive, you know what I mean? I get, I, I go to the small sites, make a bunch of money, and I'm like, oh, I'm a genius at poker again. And then I go back to the, you know, yeah. the big You go sites. back to John, Johnny Chan at the Taj. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> get, get my ass bluffed off. And then yeah. Eddie KGB is cooler in me. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, uh, I mean, like, live poker is also a great place to learn. Obviously not very, like, time efficient, but people play really bad live. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's something like that. But anyway, uh, continuing. Yeah. Oh, well, I think that answers these questions. He had quite a few, uh, questions within a question there. Um, but so the main, the main sort of point for him would be to just pick something he's comfortable in and, and look at it like we've discussed before, like a sort of recreation fun. You know, if you're not right. going to play tournaments a lot, you're not going to get the volume and et cetera. So see it as a way of just, yeah putting one on, putting a couple of tournaments on, listening to music and just, you're still, you're still thinking about poker and you're, you're playing a tournament and taking it seriously, but you're not, it's not going to ruin your week, as you say, or make you tilt off in the cash game. Exactly. Uh, That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Just find the sweet spot. 
Okay, the next question is from Tom, and it's an actual hand analysis. So, um, all right, bear, bear with me while I hit you with this one. <laughs> uh, he uh, had this hands past weekend at Borgata. Figured if you needed content, you could use it. Yeah, we always need <laughs> yeah. Uh, thanks for using the last. Oh, this is a guy that sent in a hand before. So thanks for that. I mean, that's putting in a bit of work and stuff and giving us. It's good to get something like this as well to break up some of the questions. Yeah, exactly. Um. So, uh, oh, you guys are awesome. Yeah, we we are awesome. Thank you, so, thank you. Someone realizes it. Yeah, someone. <laughs> uh, okay, it's a three hundred and fifty dollars plus fifty. Uh, that's some rake. Um, plus fifty, hundred k guarantee life. Um, okay. So he has ace queen of clubs. Okay. Um, the blinds are six hundred, twelve hundred with a hundred ante. Mm. Um, he's sitting with forty k stat. Okay. The button has seventy k, and the small blind has twenty k. Mm-hmm. Um, he's uh, under the ex- excuse me, repeat those positions again. I, I apologize. Uh, the hero himself is under 40. the gun plus one, forty k. The button has seventy k, and the small blind has twenty k. Okay. Um, he raises min raise to no, sorry, that's me uh, butchering it. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I thought it was sixteen hundred. I was going to say he raises to thirty two hundred. Okay. Um, the button calls. Small blind calls, and the flop is ace of diamonds, queen of diamonds, three of clubs. Okay. So he's yeah top two. Small blind checks. He bets fifty six hundred, and the button shoves. The small <laughs> blind folds. Uh, what do you do? I uh, call and high five the dealer. High five a cat. You know every every. I mean, when the guy, like, overdid jams there, right? It was, like, 70K jams in. Like, I mean... Uh, he jams 70K, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. mean, and this is a live tournament. you got a lot of guys that are, like, playing for fun. I assume you ran into pocket twos or whatever bottom set was. Otherwise, you wouldn't be asking this question. Or you made a heroic fold, which, uh, uh, I, you know, when people make a fold like that, I don't really... I don't really condemn them because I want them to be in the habit of, I don't know what to do. I'm going to fold as opposed to, I don't know what I'm going to do, but normally this is an okay hand. I'm all in, you know what yeah. I mean? So it's uh, I, I, I would tell, uh, but a lot of times there you see a guy just with a flush draw, just like jam, because you know, uh, it's a, uh, you know, I, I, I I'm going to go play roulette if this doesn't work <laughs> out, you know what I mean? So, uh, I think you do have to call there. If you, like, bet folded ace-king, I'd understand that a little more. Ace-jack, I'd understand that a little more, but he could be shoving an inferior two-pair. It's harder for him to have a set because, uh, obviously, you have the uh, the most likely sets, like the big card uh, combinations blocked a bit. I guess, I guess, like, you know, if you ran into a set, it's just not your tournament. It's kind of crazy how much he's jamming, but uh, I would... Uh, I, I I just have no idea how you could fold here. What okay. did we... Um, I'm, I'm going to give you a, like a sub-note, a little bit of subplot here. Oh, okay, um, he, cool. He's added this uh, to give it a sort of another dimension. Um, the villain is older guy. Uh, oh. I felt like he could have a set and want to protect against Flush Draw. 
But with the board in my hand, I had a hard time and couldn't give him 3-3. Three, three. But it was in his range. I didn't feel he flats ace-ace or queen-queen. Okay. Felt he could do this with ace-three, even, even ace-queen, as well as ace-king. Maybe even ace-jack-ace-ten. Well, I had playing pretty uh, tight, and maybe he thought his shove could put me off. Other history, the villain won a decent pot a few hands prior and wanted the live reporter to come and take his picture so his investors would put him in the main. Okay. Uh... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> okay, the old, well, I mean, okay, there's a lot going on here. One, it's an older guy, so you would assume it'd be a little more tight. However, uh, Borgata is kind of, uh, uh, it's kind of a location of gambling. It's got, people are going to be a little more gambling intensive. When the guy has investors, uh, that shows that he probably plays a little more regularly and probably has had to learn a couple more of the tricks. Because uh, nits kind of go out of the game pretty quickly. And uh, the other thing is, if you think he's shoving that range, you must call. Because that's, uh, if you input that range, uh, well, if you input that range into Flopzilla and then see, see your equity versus what equity you need to call, uh, it would be significantly, uh, it, it would be markedly good. I, I, I would be shocked if he's jamming ace-jack, ace-ten, but ace-king makes sense, ace-three makes sense. And, you know, just to, uh, I mean, I, I've called here and seen 4-3 of clubs a lot of the time, or 5-3 of clubs, you know, old guys get, you know, a lot of a lot of people, uh, a lot of people just play poker to gamble. I mean, that's their thing. The overbed jam there, okay, so it's an old guy, but he wants the tournament, I, I don't see how you have a fold here. The, the real, like, cutoff hand to me here would be ace-king, uh, what do you do? And I think ace-king should be a fold. Ace yeah. three, uh, I think ace three maybe you could fold. Uh, actually, that it, my thing is like if I think maybe you can fold, you should fold because yeah. <laughs> because uh, uh, maybe I play too many hands, but also uh, uh, it, it, the other thing is I play too many hands. So when I think it might be a fold, it's usually a clear fold. But uh, because I always perceive everybody else to be playing more hands than they are, it, is the joke I always tell with myself. But the thing is, like, if you uh, don't know if there's profit in a particular hand, there usually isn't that much, especially if you study poker on a regular basis. Like, if you're giving up anything, it's fractions of per, per, a percent, you know, a percentage of the time, if you think about it. You know, you're multiplying uh, very small frequencies on top of each other. There's just not that much profit uh, inside the play. So if you're giving up, you're not really giving up much of anything, and something that really helped me in poker, and I'm, I'm kind of, it's really weird. A bunch of hands have come up recently that have really made me, like, solidify this with my students and, like, write about it. And this is another spot. But, I, I mean, uh, this is, a, I mean, it, it, the thing being, poker is not a game of perfect. Every time you, uh, Phil Ivey said, every time he plays poker, he makes mistakes. Every single time Phil Ivey plays poker, he makes mistakes. You're probably making way more. Every time I play poker, I make mistakes. I've made a lot of money at poker. I still think I'm really bad at this game. I, I really believe that. Like, a lot of the times when I'm, like, analyzing my hands, I'm like, dude, what the hell? Like, what, what could you be thinking? And then it, the, what I've learned is there was one day I started, uh, you know, I was reading about Andre Agassi's life and how he was, like, a really underachiever. He was a real underachiever in tennis. And then he linked up 
with a guy named Brad Gilbert. I've talked about this a bit before, and Brad Gilbert was known as like an overachiever, right? And the first thing Brad Gilbert, his coach, said to Andre Agassi was, you're trying to be perfect all the time. You're trying, you know, you, you, it's not a game of perfects. You know, every time you get a play that you feel good about, uh, that's one in your pocket. Every time you get a point, that's one in your pocket. And then, you know, looking into golf and tennis and other, like, really mental sports, there is a real focus on, you know, it's not a game of perfect. I think Jared Tendler has talked about this as well. It's not a game of perfect. So a few years back, I started saying, well, you know, I'm not uh, – uh, I, I, I'm going to look to make the smallest mistakes possible, right? I accept I'm going to make mistakes every time I play poker, but I'm going to be looking to make the smallest mistakes possible. What's a huge mistake is putting in all your chips when you have no idea what's going on. That is a gigantic mistake. I don't care, yeah. care if – when people, like, when the hands get turned over and you see you at a winner, that wasn't a big mistake because you had no idea. You had no idea. So, like, just because it gets revealed, it would have been, you're being results-orientated if you see it was a bad laydown or something like that. So a lot of times I started, uh, I, I started just, uh, I, I, I started just when I didn't know what to do, I would fold. So like uh, one example uh, that came up the other day, I was thinking back like through my career at the Sunday million, I made the final table and I had like ace queen and a guy opened like six handed under the gun, seven handed under the gun. And like 99 times out of a hundred, I would put this guy all in, but I just felt really weird about it this one time. And instead of calling, are doing something else. I put the guy in. He had kings. I blew the chip lead. I've never made the Sunday million since. And then over the last couple of years, I won. Uh, it, well, there was this one tournament. I like C-bet a set, and the guy raised me. And I folded, and it, it turned out I was wrong, right? It was like the one hand in his range I was beating. And I mm -hmm. went on to win that tournament. And then it's just been like, since I've been playing poker, like it isn't a game of perfect. It's like, I had a profitable scoop. I had a profitable W coop. I had a prof profitable WSOP. Two of the last three PCA series I played have been profitable. And uh, three of the last four PCA series I've been profitable. And, uh, you know, it just like it keeps going on. And it's like it's not huge wins, but you end up getting deeper. And if you think about like the best players, like Phil Hellmuth is not looking to play perfect. He's just trying to make the smallest mistakes. And if he makes a tight laydown, so what? You know, it goes on, it goes on. So if you didn't feel good about the situation and fold, I'd be really happy for you. I would tell you this is a really bad fold, ace-queen, but I would be proud of you for being able to do that and not giving in to the social pressure of, ah, oh, come on, it's top two pair. What are you, retarded? You know, you yeah. got to put the money in. So, uh, yeah. But I think you got to get good with the hand-ranging tools and stuff like that before you can make – you need to know how audacious a play it is. And then however audacious it is, you need a significantly stronger uh, feeling uh, in order to, to compensate for that. Your gut needs to be inflamed. This is so audacious. But, like, I, I think if you don't have a strong read here, you must call. And you're not going to have a strong read here 99 times out of 100 well, like you, I, I say I fold ace three and I also um, fold ace king there. You know, yeah, yeah. Like, right. like definite, definitely. So we'll go to the, the results. Uh, he's, he said it himself, the results are relevant, but I call, he flips over queen queen uh, <laughs> and I, I, I don't hit an ace. 
I mean, I, I just wonder if you could find a fault here leaving yourself with 27 big blinds. And I think we've said we, we can't. No, no. Yeah, good, good call. Great discussion. Thank you for sending in the hand. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, it's good to uh, maybe if, if some of the listeners, uh, that would be a good thing if we could maybe have a few more hands, interesting hands or situations. And uh, thanks, Tom, for the detail there. I mean, yeah, that's in, excellent. It's a big thing, and even myself, that's not been playing poker recently, it gets you thinking again, and it gets you analysing the situation, and it's kind of more fun when you can start thinking about, you know, that's what I love about live poker. That is yeah, right. I love about live poker. All the little um, things that come up. Yeah, yeah, all the, all the little fucking annoying pensioners <laughs> playing with their fuck, <laughs> <laughs> playing with their eating checks, you know. <laughs> Yeah, uh, no, I'm joking. Any pensioners listening, uh, get, give your grandkids back their iPods. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, so, next question is from Philip. Uh, not Helmuth, um, ah. but it's just, it's just got Philip. We know Phil listens to the show. Um, okay, he probably just listens to the one I did with them. Over yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah, okay, Philip. Uh, hey, guys, uh, loving the show. Uh, as we're getting near Christmas time, um, what presents would you buy yourself to help with poker, but not uh, strategy guides or books or Ooh. courses? Ooh. So just like Good what? Question. What would what would I enjoy getting like a poker present? Like. Uh, and what would you buy yourself? I, I think I don't know. Maybe he means like um, stuff that's going to help your game and life. Maybe and poker game but it's not like strategy related stuff and that okay um, okay cool yeah because i was about to go into the icmis or hold them resources yeah, yeah. card runners ev no uh yeah. <laughs> but we'll, we'll go with that we'll say that together as given like yeah. if you don't have one get a hud and get yeah. like <laughs> yeah, or something right. like that yeah, yeah, get, yeah. get into all this stuff i talk about constantly but yeah. uh uh <laughs> I mean, I, I find, like, creature comforts within poker, I mean, just stuff that reminds you why you love the game is actually pretty important. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't really think that was something I really worked on. Uh, like, I, I, I mean, like, poker was just kind of... I, I mean, I loved poker as a kid, but it was there was always an understanding, like, this is my way out of poverty. And then when I did make a lot of money, I kind of went, is this it? And I didn't really do enough to, like, really establish why i enjoyed poker and it really it it is detrimental to your game so i think this is actually a really like emotionally intelligent question because if you if you know someone who plays poker it's good to get them something that could remind them you know like what what was so cool about it uh you know if you could get something like uh like uh something i had for a while was like uh the dvds of like the wpt episodes that were big when i was a kid and I don't know, those were like pretty fun to watch for a while because it was just funny to see how people thought about poker back then and like what they did and to see the cheesy ass like, uh, you know, explanation on how to play the game. And some of the guys, they were like, this guy's incredibly good. This guy's going to be around for the next 10 years. And, you know, you know, he's he's gone. But and then there's, you know, guys, it's funny to see like Phil Ivey on his first WPT final table and see how young these guys were. And, uh, yeah. you know, stuff like that is pretty cool. Um, uh, anything by Tommy Angelo really makes me enjoy poker. And uh, I think makes me think about poker in a really different way. Uh, I, I think 
honestly, Tommy Angelo has some of the Phil Galfon said like that's his coach is uh, Tommy Angelo. I hope I'm saying his name right. I've never like heard it pronounced, but like he, Phil Galfon says like that's his favorite coach. And if you read what the guy writes, it makes a lot of sense because there's a lot of things that make you think very differently uh, about poker. And uh, I'm trying to think of what else. Uh, yeah, if it's not like strategy content, uh, it, there, a lot of the poker history books are pretty fascinating. Like uh, Stu Unger and Doyle Brunson's books were pretty interesting. Like yeah. just very, very interesting. I have a, I'm, I'm actually looking at my signed copy of the Godfather of poker, but uh, it's uh, right now and that there's uh, it, like Mike Matisau's book is a pretty good cautionary tale and Stu Unger's yeah. uh what what uh ace on the not ace on the river what's the and obviously there's my security the security of the neighborhood is let some guy who's selling vegetables walk around mm-hmm. the neighborhood which it's like what do I pay you for man but anyway <laughs> anyway uh what 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 God I'm trying to think of what other books I'll I've got one I got one I, I if you're a grinder and you're playing a lot I would say uh, a good chair if you don't have oh one there is a Fantastic. Yeah, getting into the equipment. Uh, yeah, a good chair, maybe a set of headphones, nice headphones. Yeah, that yeah. The, good, good quality. I, you know, I got a pair good. of, like, these weren't even that expensive. They were like $30. I wish I could remember the brand, but, like, look up on Consumer Reports, like, noise-canceling headphones. Because I don't know how it is in my uh, other people's houses. But, like, you know, there's a bunch of random noise around my – well, uh, <laughs> right now, there's a bunch <laughs> of random noise. But, like, when I – I just got some noise-canceling headphones, and I'm just feeling it, man. Like, I just love it, man. I'm just so in my own zone when I put yeah. those in. And just for – they're great for working out and stuff like that. Uh, going on to books again, Positively Fifth Street was uh, – really like captured the romanticism of poker. Yeah. That was, yeah. that was a fantastic book. And I know there's gotta be some others for next Christmas season. You should pick up my fictional debut, which is, I actually have the manuscript 95% done, but I just don't want to go through it with a cleaver. Is, it, is that a working title? I, I named it without water when I was a kid, like 17 years old. I know that's super pretentious, but like, uh, I I don't know. I've come to like the name. I'm probably going to leave it. But no, I mean, it's about like a Stu Unger, JJJ, uh, JJ prodigy kid coming up in like 2006, back when like 17 year olds were like buying condos and Lamborghinis off of poke. And like, you know, he's from like a really bad district, like near, near where I grew up. So obviously I can write about it a little bit. And yeah, it's like 95% of the way done, but I, you know, I have to send it to a line editor and you know, you get back. It's like, if it were a paperback right now, it would be 800 pages, so it's a little too long right now. Yeah. And it's J.R.R. fucking Tolkien. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, it's like, uh, here's the crazy thing. To give you an idea of how lazy writers are, okay, this is something I figured out. This is a little off topic. If you wrote 2,000 words a day, how long, just throw out a guess, how long do you think it would take you to write all the J.R.R. Tolkien books? Uh, 2,000 words a day. Yeah, don't months. do the math. Don't do the math. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> the, whole tri- the whole trilogy. Uh, six months. Six months. Six months. Oh, you undershot it. Most people say three, four years. Or so, because you know it's a trick question. You're too, you're too smart. Yeah, I always undershoot things when people say Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, oh, uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, it's like, yeah. It's like when, 
yeah, people go, how old do you think this person is? Well, it's, it's probably exorbitantly young. Otherwise, you wouldn't be asking that. <laughs> but like, yeah, no, it would be 11 months. It would take you 11 months to write the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy. So like I, I was all worried about like trying to get into fiction like the last year. And it's like if you just write like 2000 words a day, like one like, even 1000 words a day, you'll like pretty much clean it out pretty quickly. But most people are just writers like to cr cry about how hard it is when really it's just like getting your ass to the computer. But uh, yeah, uh, the, a really good chair, a really good desk is really important. Uh, a big one of, one of those one of those hats for like uh, cans of juice and <laughs> so so you so you don't need to go out for drink. Yeah, I, was, <laughs> I remember in my old desk back when I lived uh, back when I had more money than brain cells, I got like a mini fridge for my desk, and like that was just everybody who was, yeah yeah mini fridge. Everybody who saw me like opening that up like was just like wow, like this guy's got it made. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, the simple things like a live-in maid, you know, the stuff like that. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, a big screen, like a big, like, monitor is really good. Yeah, monitor, that's a good one. Uh, one, one thing that really helped me, like a carpal tunnel glove, uh, I got one of those a few years ago, and, like, I never take it off, like, ever, because I, I can't tell you. If you play poker for years, you don't realize what it's doing to your arm until you get one of these gloves, and then it's like uh, – and then it's really crazy, like how much better you feel. And get a get a good uh, speaker system and a second internet connection is one of those gifts people probably won't thank you for profuse, profusely uh, right at the beginning. But the first time they're like disconnecting for a tournament, they can just switch over. They're going to think you're the smartest, greatest person of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Try to think of anything else. Yeah, That's a good question. Yeah, I just keep thinking of jokes. I was about to say like an Ed Hardy hoodie or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta get you gotta get him three or four different colors of Beats headphones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Get get a copy yeah. of the Source's new album. That one's not a joke, but it is about grinding and stuff. Actually, I was trying to think of music that could be related. That's the only one really. Music, a new, movies, a new a new attitude for any spoiled grinders. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A new attitude. I'll get get give them a swift kick in the ass. That and tell. Uh, I think that's good. I think hardware, like monitor, chair, things to make your play if you're playing online for long periods of time more comfortable. Um, maybe even like a sort of like cheap exercise thing for in the house or something, maybe like a cross trainer or. Something like that. Oh yeah, oh, that's not. Like, that's you know? oh yeah. It, uh, another thing could be just like I mean, if you have more a lot of money, like you could get them a tablet, and then if they like to go to the gym, just say like, hey, you know, if you want to show them you're really cool, uh, download like the like Card Runners I know and Pocket Fives Training used to have it. You could like get iPad ready like training videos. And, yeah. like, you know, you could, like, buy it and then, like, put on a bunch of training videos and stuff like that and maybe a few poker books and be like, hey, hit this up when you're at the gym. And then uh, since most poker players are lazy, you'll be able to make them feel guilty when they never do it because it's already already done. But anyway, uh, yeah, I think that's about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, good things there. Um, so hope you get some of them for your Christmas if you're listening. Um, the next question is from Richard. Uh, Sunday Million, what's the overall strategy now these days? Uh, not playing it in ages. I know it's a complete crap shot, but <laughs> um, what about 
is it still tight at the start and then loosen up when the antis kick in? Is it as still as the, an overall strategy as simple as that? I, I don't know, man. You're asking the wrong guy. I'm just kidding. But like, <laughs> no, but I, I seriously have, let me count, uh, two, three. I, I want to see like three or four times I've made like the full tilt major final table. And like, uh, it, and it, only once I made the Sunday million final table and it was just complete run good. And it was like, I would double up, have a huge hand. And then like two orbits later, I was like, on a short stack again with everybody else. I was like, this is ridiculous. Uh, I, I would say get really good, like get a copy of ICMI's or sit and go wizard, hold them, uh, hold them resources, get really good with the rejams and stuff like that. Uh, the one thing I've noticed in these majors is there's a lot of guys that just see bet, have no idea what to do. So like, if you get a hand, like uh, I was looking at a hand this morning where uh this makes me sound like I study every morning, but I had to prepare something for a lecture. Uh, I, I had like three do suited was like a profitable jam, but it was like worth one fifth of a big blind. So with mm. uh, card runners EV, I just ran like, what if I called and check raised here with like the ass end of all my range? And it turned out it was profitable for like a big, you know, it was like a big blind plus, you know, accounting for all the times you run into a hand and all that stuff. And I, you know, you do a lot of work with that and you get better at like, when should I call here and check raise because the guy's C-bet's 100%. When should I just jam because this hand plays really terrible? You know, and you should just jam like the Asex offsuits because those hands, you either flop like a mediocre pair or you're blocking all the hands you want them bet folding with your ace there. So the, like those hands become like better jams and stuff like that. And uh, I, I would say don't be tight at the beginning. You know, like a lot of people are playing really weak uh, at the beginning, they're playing too many tables. Uh, I, I feel like I get deep in a lot of majors. Like I, uh, I, I mean, like every time I play a Sunday, I get deep in some major. I'm pretty, uh, honestly, pretty frustrated. I don't have like a couple more wins on my record. But like uh, a lot of the times, that's just because at the beginning, like a guy opens and I have a hand that's just below my calling range. Like maybe Jack Ten suited would be my calling range, but Jack Eight suited, I can't flat. Well, it turns into a very valuable three bet semi bluff. So I three bet, and the guy's playing too many tables, so he just calls, he misses the board, he folds. And then eventually you chip up, chip up, chip up. You get a few more, uh, you get a few more chips to double barrel and stuff like that. And then people, like, adjust. Uh, they start calling down a little too much, playing a little too much. And, but you've already tightened up uh, as far as getting to the middle stages. You'll probably be a little more careful, and they've over-adjusted. And uh, there was a bit of static there for a second. Can you hear everything okay? Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. It went away. Okay. Well, anyway, but yeah. And I mean, I would really, you know, you can open up your game, squeeze people a lot. And uh, remember, you still got to make it through a lot of people. So if you play tight, that's no real confirmation. And every time I've played for the fun of it and played, you know, just trying to take every pot, I think I can. I've made a lot of major final tables when I try to play the way, uh, I don't know, nits tell me to play on training videos. I've like never made a dime. So Go out there, swing. Like, if you play too tight, it's like showing up at the plate without a bat. Or, uh, I, don't, I don't know what the European equivalent is. Going for the penalty kick without the ball. But it's just, you gotta, you gotta, like, get in there and gamble a little. And then nobody knows what you have. And a lot of people donate chips they shouldn't donate to you. You think of any, like, hyper successful MTP professional, he's probably very aggressive. Yeah, and let's be honest, to get deep, deep 
like I'm not talking the last year to get to a final table or something in the Sunday Million you've got to outdraw so many people and you've got to hold against so many people so yeah exactly uh, yeah there's no real you know good luck to you um, yeah exactly uh, I mean what did you say you played poker how many years you, you, you final tabled at once eight, is it? eight, eight years I, pl- I, I final tabled it once, and I had no idea yeah. what I was doing when I got yeah. I, when I got there. But like, and you would say you played it well every at least every second week, probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah, there you go. Every second week. Yeah. And th- here's the other thing: is like I, I would like to think my like internal radar is pretty good as far as that when I play bad, when I play good, and like when I bust deep in the Sunday 500, I am furious. When I bust deep in the full tilt. Uh, majors, I'm furious because you have so many chips. There probably is something you could affect. I finished in the final two tables like three other times in the Sunday Million, and every time I just stare at my computer and go, well, that was fun. I feel like there's nothing I can change. There's just like I'm always short-stacked. It doesn't matter how many chips I accumulate. I just, I'm always short-stacked at the end. Everybody else is. There's one key flip. I didn't win it. There you go. You know, it's like mm-hmm. it's not, you know, this guy's so lucky. I'm so unlucky. It's just like, there's just really not as much to do in the Sunday Million. I'd recommend, uh, I, I think, I mean, you should, if you have the money, you should play this Sunday Million every weekend just for the hell of it. But, like, if you're trying to make it as a pro, I'd say play, like, the, a lot of, like, smaller websites have, like, websites have $50 majors. Everybody plays horrible in. Like, they just, everybody loads it up, and they don't focus that much. And uh, you can get really deep in those and do pretty well, especially if the structure is a little better. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's uh, the thing about the Sunday Million is now is like you say, I, what what does it get now? Is it like how many people? Yeah, uh, yeah. like eight k. I think I yeah, I'm usually going to say a lot. Yeah, yeah, seven eight k top. Yeah, I mean it's that's insane, isn't it? But like you said, there is. It is huge, but there is, like Alex is saying at the start, you're you're also going to get some people that have satellited in from one of these little things, and they're just they're sticking. They, I've seen it. You've seen it on your table on the Sunday Mail. I'm yeah, sure you've seen it, Alex, man. as well. First hand, all in Ace King and stuff like that. Pocket jacks, all in and stuff. So um, there is lots of bad play in it as well. Yeah, it's not. You know. A lot of people, a lot of people calm down with one pair. It's like, let me emphasize something that's made me a lot of money at poker. Every time you go in, you don't expect to like make money. Don't go like, how am I going to win this tournament? You go in, uh, it, it, it sounds ridiculous, but it's all practice, man. Like practice makes perfect. Every time and like the Sunday million is practice for these big majors. Cause one of these days, likely you could play the WSOP, man. You're practicing for that with like a $200 tournament. Or something mm-hmm. like that, you know, and you go in looking to play the best game you can play to practice, to build on that game. You're not really looking to win. And then magically you'll win a bunch of money if you go in with this strategy. Phil Ivey said, like, a, a lot of people, uh, I mean, I've heard this in a few different places. I'm pretty sure it's true. Uh, because back when Phil Ivey was no home Jerome, he was like, his first two years he played poker, he lost money. The third year he bra- barely broke even. And, uh, they asked him, you know, like, what changed? How did you become Phil Ivey? He's like, well, when I was a kid, I thought it was, like, a way to make money. Now, now, that Once I started playing for love of the game, everything really changed. So, you know, go in there and have a good time and play the hands you want to play and go for it. Yeah, yeah, great, great advice. Uh, good way to end it on as well. That's all the questions done for this episode. Um, so, 
Alex mentioned at the start, if you want to get in touch with Alex, uh, I know he's doing big changes over at his website, PokerHeadRush.com. Uh, maybe you want to tell people about that, Alex, and also how people get in touch with you directly again. Oh, yeah, for sure. No, uh, i I got to be careful how long I go on here because I'm super excited. I'll, I'll cut you off. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah, you guys, you Scots are pretty good at cutting people off, I've learned in uh, bars and pubs when I, when I start going on. But, like, uh, and if I talk too much for you guys in the pubs, I must really talk too much. But, uh, anyway, uh, I... Uh, I, I, I'm really excited about the new Poker Ad Rush site because the thing is, is I write strategy articles for a bunch of different sites and I've always looked to, for a way to like link it up and everything. We've had a mailing list and we've sent it to everyone. Uh, I got a guy who's like done some really top tier websites for some companies and we're, it's all going to be linked up. And there's like a strategy article comes out practically once a week. And on top of that, there's like interviews and translations of old articles into new languages and stuff like that in my blog posts and stuff like that. And then there's like the podcasts and stuff I, like what we're doing right now. Like I want to link and I want to put and then there's like lots of stuff, you know, my friends write and I wanted always to put this all together. But uh, I don't really know how to design a website. And every time I went to a web designer, they'd be like, oh, yeah, we'll give you a fair quote. Wait a minute. What did you say your name was? Okay, Google search, Google search. Ah, three three million in earnings. I think it's going to be about twenty thousand dollars, you know, or something yeah. like that. And now I got a Costa Rican kid who's like I've been a friend of mine for years, and he, I've seen him study and get better and get better. And I was like, finally, all right, this kid's ready for the shot. So keep watching PokerHeadRush.com. We're gonna have a ton of stuff there. Everything's gonna be, and I mean, you should check out that site regularly anyway because I post. Uh, you know, we try to post a bunch of stuff. Uh, you can go. You know, it, uh, there's a lot of free information out there. Go to WPTMag.com, Bluff.com, PocketFives.com, and now PokerNews.com. And you should uh, follow me at the Assassinato or Facebook.com slash Assassinato. But, yeah, go to my Twitter page, and, like, they, every time a new article comes out, I post it there. And I would like to think – I mean, I'm one of the only guys – I think I'm the only guy – who gets paid more to analyze poker and come up strategies for hundreds of players than they do just, you know, like who gets to do that as a job. I get to do that as a job. So I have to be on the forefront because if my hundreds of guys start doing really bad, I lose my percentages and my partnerships pretty quickly. And, uh, you know, I feel like we're really on the forefront with all these strategy articles and they're all just posted there. Uh, if you want to get, uh, if you want to get, all the articles as they come out, be part of the mailing list, write us at assassinatocoaching at gmail.com. If you want to talk to me about private lessons, if you want more information about anything we're talking about here, write me at assassinatocoaching at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, uh, check out, uh, well, I mean, it's going to be all up there. Uh, I have my newest, like most cutting edge uh, training video. Uh, it was a webinar. Actually, it's kind of now there's a recording of it. Uh, it's called You Flat Too Much. You can get that for $60. You can write us at assassinatocoaching.gmail.com if you want the details. And uh, you can watch every hand in my W Coop and, uh, the w -Coop and the Scoop uh, runs lately, which uh, had a 
you know, there was this high stakes scoop final table in the 500R, and then there was a win in the 215 second chance. You can get all of those. It's uh, $50 right now. All the videos are for immediate download. You can write me if you want to find out about that. And sign up at Card Runners, $15 a month uh, with promo code free month, all capital letters. And uh, I think that's about it. Yeah, I should have cut you off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is cool. Uh, I'll also post some details about that, as I say, on oneouter.com. Uh, follow the podcast on Twitter. It's at oneouter.com, O-N-E-O-U-T-E-R-D-O-T-C-O-M. Uh, join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash oneouter. And uh, that's about it. You can also find the podcast on iTunes. Um, and if you're listening to this, you've either downloaded it from iTunes or on the site. So um, it's kind of pointless telling you that. Um, <laughs> support. But, support. Uh, tell other people yes, about support. it. support. Tell, tell other people. That's right. No, but also some people just stream it on the site. I know some people do that. And some people also just download it. But you can get it on iTunes. And if you've got an iPhone or whatever, it's a nice way to you know sync it all up that way. Um, I need to give a shout out to a friend of mine, Martin Smith. Uh, who runs a few Scottish poker websites, uh, and he just won the Genting Poker Series Edinburgh main event for 33000 Nice. Um, he beat David Van Plew heads up, uh, the Scottish guy that's EPT winner, etc. So, uh, well done, Martin. He does a lot of good work in the Scottish poker scene, and uh, God knows how he won the tournament because he has a big fishing tournament. He's a good cash player, but uh, it just shows you're right. If anybody's needing, you know, uh, hope or support, then if he can, if he can win thirty three thousand, believe me, you should all be playing these Genting Poker Series tournaments. You guys are ruthless, uh, man. You... They must be. They must be really good fun. <laughs> no, and all and all seriousness, well done, Martin. Uh, he is a good guy and a good player. Uh, uh, thoroughly deserved. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy, as you say. And uh, I'll hit him up for a loan shortly. Um, <laughs> So that is everything for this episode and we will be back next month December for our Christmas special. We need to do some sort of uh, I don't know, we'll, we'll maybe need to uh, put hats on or something else yeah, uh, man. Get while the, we're doing it. Get, get the generic uh, Christmas music yeah. leader. Yeah, yeah, jingles and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. we'll, 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 maybe do, uh, we'll maybe do some sort of Christmas giveaway or something like that for some listeners or something. Uh, we will see. We will see. Um, it's a great so idea. Keep posted on Twitter and uh, also the Facebook group, and we will see. We're going to run something like that. I'm sure we'll give something away. Uh, and thanks for listening. And we'll see you all next time. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>